Do you long to know God better? In his book, The God You May Not Know, Pastor David Jeremiah walks readers through how to develop intimacy with God, discover his character, and encounter God's holiness. For a gift of any amount to Turning Point, you'll receive this inspiring book. Gifts of $55 or more will receive The Knowing Set, and gifts of $75 or more will receive The God You May Not Know Set. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever seen someone else's troubled life and said to yourself, I'm glad it's them and not me? Fortunately, God never says that. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers biblical assurance that no trial is big enough to intimidate God, who is in control of all things at all times. Continuing the series, When Your World Falls Apart, here's David to introduce Triumphant Over Trouble. And from Psalm 46, we learn about this. And on this Friday edition of Turning Point, we open our Bibles to another psalm. And with expectation, we listen as David writes his words on a sheet of paper that has continued to repeat itself over hundreds and hundreds of years, encouraging people like you and me. We'll get to our study in the 46th Psalm in just a moment. But first, let me remind you that we are going to be in Charleston, South Carolina this fall, October the 6th and 7th. That's a Friday night and Saturday morning. I'll be presenting messages from our new uh, release, which is called The Great Disappearance. We'll be coming live from the North Charleston Coliseum, and we'll present a live arena event surrounding the event in the future that will hit the headlines as no other story ever has, and that is the rapture. Two incredible days of inspirational Bible prophecy that will motivate you to live for Jesus as never before. For more information about this event, go to davidjeremiah.org, and you will get all the information about tickets, special guests, and much more. Well, today we open our Bibles to yet another psalm. This one is Psalm 46, and as we get into it, you will realize this one you know more about than some of the others. It's a more famous psalm than some we have studied. The truth of the psalm, however, is the same. The wonderful promise of God's provision for us during difficult times. Let's begin our study. I don't know if you noticed, but whenever Christians face difficulty, they almost inevitably turn to the book of Psalms. Someone has said the book of Psalms has more tear stains on its pages than any other book in the Bible. There's something about this book that helps us when we're facing trouble. For here in the pages of this Old Testament hymn book, we find the words to describe what we are feeling. Here we understand that we are not alone in our trouble, that others have faced what we are facing before we have. Here we discover hope in the time of storm, even when the thunder and lightning are raging all around. We read the book of Psalms, and as we read it, we feel like somebody has written our story before it ever happened. No wonder the first book that was ever published by the Puritans back in 1640 was the Bay Psalm book. Published even before the scripture was published. They didn't have enough resources to publish the entire Bible, so they published the Psalms. 
and it became their watchword during the difficulties of their day. One author replied that they published the Bay Psalm book because there was no other collection that so encompassed the range of human experience and the wonder of God's response to that experience. And the Puritans needed this because as they would go through their difficulties, they would come to the book of Psalms and as one of the Puritans said, it was all there in the Psalter. It was already there before it ever happened to us. And God's response was available. I don't know about the rest of you, but just the reading of the Psalms to me is a blessing. Without any comment, without any commentary, without any message or additional lessons, just to read the book, just to read the pages of the hymn book. But there's an interesting thing that happens when you go behind the song and research the reason for it having been written. I have in my library four or five volumes of hymn histories. It's amazing what happens when you read the history of a hymn that you sing and find out why it happened to have been written. You never sing the song the same way again. And when you go behind the Psalms that were in the Old Testament hymn book and find out what happened that caused that Psalm to be written, you come away with an incredible appreciation for its truth and its application to your own life. It was the year 701, and Sennacherib was the king of Assyria. Sennacherib was an expansionist and was leading the dreaded Assyrian army throughout Syria and Israel and on south to Judah, conquering everything that was in its way. The Assyrians were a cruel and mighty people, left nothing to question. At the time of Sennacherib's rampage, there was a little kingdom called the kingdom of Judah and a little city in the midst of that kingdom called Jerusalem. And the king of Judah was a godly man by the name of Hezekiah who came to the throne as a young man. And unlike all of those who had preceded him, began to bring reform to the Judah people. He restored the Passover. He caused the people to go back to the temple as a place of worship. He pulled down the high places and destroyed all of the Baal worship. And we read these words concerning him in the book of 2 Kings and the 18th chapter. It says, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor were before him. For he held fast to the Lord, and he did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered wherever he went. That was King Hezekiah. As we begin the story, the northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen to Sennacherib, and the Israelites had been carried away captive. And the people now knew that Sennacherib and his bloodthirsty army were marching toward Egypt, and anything that got in their way was sure to fall. Well, in their way was the little kingdom of Judah and the little walled city of Jerusalem. Standing in the path of Sennacherib's intentions were God's people. The Assyrians sent their armies to surround the city. And the leaders of the Assyrian army stood outside the walls of Jerusalem and began to hurl their threats and their taunts over the wall. 
They said things like, where are your gods? And where were the gods of all the other cities that we destroyed? Your gods know better than their God and your God won't save you either. In the 18th chapter of 2 Kings, they taunted the Jewish people with these words. They said in verses 29 through 31, do not let Hezekiah deceive you for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given unto the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me, and every one of you shall eat. In other words, they were saying, Don't follow your leader. Don't listen to Hezekiah. He's telling you all the wrong things, and whatever you do, don't let him tell you to trust in God, because God will never save you. You guys, in the vernacular of today, you're dead meat. You're in trouble. About the same time as this threatening message came from Sennacherib's people, King Hezekiah got a word from his preacher. Do you know that during the time of Hezekiah's leadership, there were two prophets. One was Micah and the other was Isaiah. Whenever you're going through trouble, God always does two things. He'll give you a word and he'll give you a song. And God gave to King Hezekiah a word from the prophet Isaiah You will find this again in the word of God in 2 Kings chapter 19. And Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which you have heard, with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. In other words, Isaiah came to Hezekiah and said, I know what you're hearing. I know what you're seeing. I know what the circumstances look like. This looks like there's no hope. You are no match for the Assyrian army. But just remember this. God is still on his throne, and God has heard your cry. A few days later, Hezekiah got a letter from Sennacherib. It was a menacing, mean-spirited letter telling him exactly all of the things they were going to do to destroy the people of Judah. And I love what happened. The scripture says that Hezekiah took the letter and he went up to the temple of God and he walked into the temple and he spread the letter out in front of the Lord. (laughs) Did you ever do that? When you're going through tough times, did you ever take your problem and just say, Lord God, here it is. I don't know what to do with it. He spread the letter out in front of Jehovah God and he asked God for his help and he prayed and his prayer is recorded in the 19th chapter of 2 Kings and the last part of the prayer goes like this, now therefore, O Lord our God, I pray save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, that you alone are the Lord God. And then he went back home, went back to his place of residence back to the taunts that came over the wall, back to the army that surrounded him, back to the circumstances that seemed impossible. The armies were to attack about midnight. And then we read what God did. For in 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 35 is this summary statement. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000 And when the people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. Whenever I read that, I always smile because every corpse I ever saw was dead. I can't imagine. I mean, isn't that something? (laughs) But what a dramatic thing happened that night. Do you see the picture? Walled up within the city, no hope. And yet Hezekiah spread out his problem before Almighty God and God came through. 
and took care of the problem. And you know, the victory was so great, so captured the heart of the people of Israel, that to commemorate the victory, the hymn of praise which we have opened to in Psalm 46 was penned. Some think it was written by Hezekiah himself. Others think that perhaps Isaiah wrote it or an unknown poet laureate of Israel. It was handed on to the sons of Korah, but the authorship seems quite clearly to have been as the result of the angel of God getting great victory over the mighty army of Assyria. So we hold in our hands this great hymn that was a hymn of victory, a hymn of rejoicing, a hymn of praise. And it's a reminder to us, this hymn of praise, that God can still handle our trouble. Did you know that? God isn't overwhelmed by the walled cities that are around us and by the enemies who seem to outnumber us. God is still able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. And this hymn, which has been such a great source of comfort and encouragement to so many, these 11 verses of Psalm 46 remind us that as we face our troubles and our walled-in situations, we can learn how to have victory in our own lives. Now, if you look down at the psalm, you'll notice immediately that it falls into three sections, each of which is ended with a little phrase called selah, which is a, a marking in the Old Testament hymnal. Each of these three stanzas remind us of something particularly important about God that we need to know when we face trouble. And rather than go through the outline in a historical way, let me present it to you by way of three principles to help you overcome the trouble that you have in your life by means of God's resources. First of all, in the first stanza, we learn that we need to retreat to our refuge. Notice what it says in 46, one to three. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. We learn, first of all, that we have a refuge, and this refuge is awesome, isn't he? Psalm 71 was sort of my marching orders to tell the world how awesome God is for the rest of my life. My friends, we have an awesome refuge, don't we? It says here, God is our refuge and our strength. The word for refuge really means a quiet place to go for protection. And we see Hezekiah following this principle as he goes into the temple with the problems that are before him and he spreads them out in the presence of the Lord in his quiet refuge before Almighty God. He says, God, here is my need and here's what I need you to do for me. And he finds refuge in God. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Psalm 91, 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. Psalm 18, 2 says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. How many of you are glad that you've got a refuge in God to which you can retreat? <laughs> you know what? If you've never been there, you may be a Christian and never have found in God the refuge that he wants to be for you. How many of you know that when we go to trouble, first thing we do is we call our best friend, tell him all the sad things that are going on in our life. Most of the time they make us feel worse. We should never have done that, you know? 
then we go see a counselor. Hopefully they're a godly counselor and they try to help us work through it. If we get desperate enough, we call the preacher, you know. But oftentimes the answer isn't out there. The answer is right in the midst of us. He is our refuge. He's an awesome refuge. Please note that when we have trouble, our first resort, not our last resort, is to resort unto God. On October 31st in 1517, sometimes called the 4th of July of Protestantism, Martin Luther nailed his 95 Thesis to the door of the Cathedral of Wittenberg, Germany, and the Protestant Reformation was ignited. One of the important benefits of the Reformation was the rediscovery of congregational singing. And Luther had such strong convictions about the use and the power of sacred music. He expressed his convictions in a number of statements that I found this week. For instance, in this one, if any man despises music as all fanatics do, for him I have no liking. For music is a gift and grace of God, not an invention of men. Thus it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful. I don't know if you heard what he said. He said, anybody doesn't like music's a fanatic. I didn't say that. That's Martin Luther. And again, the devil, the originator of sorrowful anxieties and restless troubles, flees before the sound of music almost as much as before the word of God. And then since I'm a preacher and I love music so much, I gravitated toward this one. He said, I would allow no man to preach or teach God's people without a proper knowledge of the use and power of sacred song. Interesting. The single most powerful hymn of the Protestant Reformation was Luther's A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, based upon Psalm 46. This hymn became the battle cry of the people, a great source of strength and inspiration even for those who were martyred for their convictions. This hymn has been translated into almost every language, and there are over 60 different English translations of the text itself. When difficulty or discouragement would come upon Martin Luther and his buddy Philip Melanchthon, who were the architects of the Reformation, they would come to one another, and sometimes Luther would say, Philip, come, let us sing the 46th Psalm. And they would take out the metric version that Luther had written, and they would sing the words of this great psalm. And the first line of this national hymn of the Protestant Reformation is fittingly inscribed on Martin Luther's tomb, which you can see sometime if you ever visit Germany. Our God is an awesome refuge for our time, for Luther's time, for any time. Notice, secondly, he's an accessible refuge. Notice what it says in the text. He is a very present help in trouble. Reminds me of what I heard a parent ask a little boy what the Bible says about lying. And he said, the Bible says that lying is a very present help in the time of trouble. That is not what the Bible says. (laughs) God. Our refuge is a very present help in the time of trouble. The word for trouble could be translated in tight places. How many of you have ever been in a tight place, in between a rock and a hard place? You don't know what to do. The words very present convey the idea that God is easy to be found, and when he is found, he's enough for any situation. God never withdraws himself from us when we are in trouble. He is more present to us than a friend or a relative can be. Think about this. God is more present to us than the trouble that has driven us to him in the first place. He is a friend in need and a friend indeed. As we read in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, God's word to Moses was, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
He's very accessible. And then notice, thirdly, he's ageless. This refuge is not only accessible, but it's an ageless refuge. It says in verses 2 and 3 of the 46th Psalm, Therefore will we not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Here the psalmist has tried to figure out all of the calamitous things that could happen. The earth being removed, the mountains being destroyed. He's come up with all of the things that would think of natural and national disasters. And he said, if all those things happen, there is still God. Sometimes we wring our hands with the things that happen in our culture and we think, oh my goodness, what if this takes place? Look what happened to earth, you know? <laughs> Let me ask you to read part of a Psalm 102, 25 through 28. Let's read it out loud together. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. When your trouble comes, retreat to your refuge. He's awesome, he's available, and he's ageless. When everything else fails, there's still God. Notice in the second stanza of this psalm, that when trouble comes, you need to rediscover your strength. There are two thoughts here in this stanza. First of all, the first part of your strength you need to rediscover is that you have a secret power within. Did you know that? Now let me tell you something that's really interesting to me. Whenever an ancient city thought they were going to be surrounded or sieged by another nation, they feared most of all not the enemy, not their embattlements, not their armaments. They feared the supply of food and water inside the walled city. So when Hezekiah realized that the Assyrians were coming toward Jerusalem, he had enough time to do a little preparation he took great care to make sure that his city would be protected. And listen to what he did. In the Kidron Valley, outside of Jerusalem, there was a deep spring, an ever-bubbling spring called the Spring of Gihon. And this spring was the water supply of Jerusalem. And it had to be protected. And so Hezekiah redirected the waters of the spring through a conduit that was 1,777 feet long, hewn out of solid rock. And he redirected the waters of the spring of Gihon under the wall of the city of Jerusalem into a reservoir so that it was right in the middle of the city. Then he went out and he covered up any evidence of the spring and did it in such a clandestine way that Sennacherib and the Assyrians had no idea where the water supply was or what had happened to it. If God hadn't taken out the Assyrians that night, Hezekiah had enough water inside the city to keep his people alive for a long time. And so we read in verse 4, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. How many of you know that in the midst of the walled city, with trouble all around, you have a resource in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. What imagery and metaphors are found in these Old Testament 
words of poetry from David. Uh, we will have some more about this when we get together again on Monday, part two of Triumphant Over Trouble. And uh, we will finish out the series on Tuesday and Wednesday with a psalm that, that is titled, The Best is Yet to Come. <laughs> and that's true. Hey, friends, we're going to the Caribbean this December to close out the old year and uh, inaugurate the new year. We're going to be visiting... Um, St. Martin and St. John and St. Lucia, and uh, we're going to be in St. Kitts, St. Thomas, and uh, the Half Moon K, which is the Bahamas, and they're going to be some wonderful times together as we inaugurate uh, the new year. We'll have um, Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega, and the Martins will be with us for this cruise. We'd like for you to go. And you can get more information about it at davidjeremiah.org slash events. The information is all ready for you so you can make your reservation. And then don't forget, this is the Friday edition of Turning Point. So get to church this weekend. Encourage your pastor and the others of your friends who are there. Reestablish your presence in church. It's where it needs to be. And uh, you can watch us on television and the off hours when you're not in church. And uh, we'll be back here in this place on Monday, same time, same station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, When Your World Falls Apart, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Sleep on This, a nighttime devotional with biblical reflections to bring you peace and rest. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, When Your World Falls Apart, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Are you searching for a way to begin each day filled with energy and joy? It starts by saying good night to restless sleep. In his book, Sleep on This, Dr. David Jeremiah provides nightly readings to help quiet our minds and calm our spirits. And when you donate $75 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you a special set that includes this book and material from the series, When Your World Falls Apart. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Missionary Hudson Taylor was sailing for China, but the ship was stalled for lack of wind. The captain asked Taylor to pray for wind, and Taylor agreed, but only if the captain would raise the sails. The captain scoffed. 
saying his crew would think he was crazy. But finally, he agreed to set the sails. 45 minutes later, the captain knocked on Taylor's door and told him he could stop praying. The ship was underway again. God expects things of us when we pray, namely the readiness to receive that for which we are praying. The expectation of receiving is what the Bible calls faith. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover what God expects when we pray on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.